Every three seconds, there's a new victim of identity theft. A criminal could be applying for loans in your name or even selling your personal info on the dark web. Protecting your identity can be easy with LifeLock by Norton. LifeLock monitors your info and alerts you to potential identity threats. No one can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses, but with LifeLock, it's easy to help protect yourself. Save up to 25% off your first year at LifeLock.com aware. The we're going family style deal. Because I want a bite of your Big Mac. And I need some of your Quarter Pounder. I'll try your filet of fish. There's a deal for every friend group at McDonald's. Order any two classics for just six bucks. Price of participation may vary. Single item at regular price cannot be combined with any other offer. The Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Rob McConnell's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the Exxon Radio Show or endorsed in any manner by Rob McConnell, Relmar McConnell Media Company, the Exxon Broadcast Network, its affiliated networks, stations, employees, or advertisers. Welcome to the X-Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. Welcome to the Exxon, everyone. My name is Rob McConnell, and for the next four hours, I'm your host and your guide as together we cross the time-space continuum to this place that I've been calling the Exxon for the past 30 years. It's a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. It's a place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. And we come to you Monday through Friday from 10 p.m. Eastern until 2 a.m. Eastern right here on the Exxon Broadcast Network. And uh, if you'd like to check us out online, visit the Exxon Broadcast Network at www.xzbn.net. And you can actually watch the Exxon TV channel for another couple of weeks at www.xzonetvchannel.com. And that is with a lot of hard work and dedication from our, our only broadcast network and syndicator of the Exxon TV channel. Our good friends at Simul TV, especially the president and CEO, Stephen Turner. Before we get to my guest of this hour, I'd just like to do a little bit of reflection on what is happening in the United States and around the world. Last week, George Floyd was the victim of a homicide at the hands of a police officer. This is very close to me since I, myself, am a former police officer. We were there to serve and protect. But remember, everyone is innocent until proven guilty. Now, there are some new facts that have come to light over the last 24 hours that, number one, the the county coroner is 
blaming the homicide on a heart condition. You have an independent coroner or pathologist saying it was asphyxia caused by the one officer on the back of Mr. Floyd, and that caused his diaphragm from going up and down, and of course, the other officer who had his knee on his neck. What they do not repeat time and time and time again is that at the time of the arrest, George Floyd was on drugs. We weren't there. We don't know what happened. This is up to the criminal justice system to take all the facts that they compiled during their investigation with the, with the district attorney, the Department of Justice, because they're considering this as a hate crime. It's easy to blame, but you weren't there. You did not, we do not understand the full extent of, of the actions of both the police officers involved. And I'm not saying they were right. Please don't get me wrong. I've been called a racist from my, from my views. And frankly, I don't give a damn. You know, you people yell, we have our rights. Well, you know what? So do I. You want to protest? Protest in peace. You have that right. But when it comes to looting, when it comes to rioting, and because members of the media don't kiss your butts, you get upset? Too bad. You know, all these signs, Black Lives Matter. Well, what about a sign that says All Lives Matter? Whether you're black, whether you're brown, whether you're white. We're all on this planet. All lives matter. You know, I, I heard a lot today in the media about reforming the police and the actions of the police. Well, you know what? Here's something very, very simple to think about. If the actions of the criminals weren't there, then the actions of the police would not be necessary. The reform of the police would, would not be necessary. I think what President Trump last night did so he could take a photo opportunity outside a church was wrong. I think what Attorney General Barr instructed the multitask federal law enforcement agencies that were posted outside of the White House to disbar the, the protesters was totally wrong. I know for a fact that what the rioters are doing wrong, what the looters are doing wrong, they're, you know, and, and I can understand that President Trump, I don't agree with him 100% of the time. But I do agree where he says, hey, governors, if you cannot bring in the National Guard and protect the lives of your citizens and protect the property of these citizens, I will bring in the army. I agree with that. They're sworn to protect America from enemies, foreign and domestic. And if this is not a domestic enemy, I don't know what is. Anyway, to the family of Floyd George, or George Floyd, my heart is with you. To the family of the four police officers that were shot yesterday, my heart is with them as well. 
You know, you don't see riots because four police officers got shot, do you? Oh, no. You want equality? Well, follow the example that was put forth last night and today because no police officers are rioting. No police officers are looting. No police officers are protesting. They're there to serve and protect. So just give the officers involved in this horrific event the same judicial rights that you want for what has happened to George Floyd and his family. These officers have been charged, yes. One has been charged, I'm sorry. The others are, mm, we'll see what happens there. He deserves the same rights as anyone else. He has been charged with a Class 3 homicide. He has not been convicted. He is still innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. The Black Lives Matter want that. Antifa wants that. All the idiots who are causing riots and looting and burning and, and shooting at police officers want their rights. Well, so, do the, so does the police officer involved in this deserve his right to a fair trial and to be judged by his peers. It's a two-way street. And don't forget, ExoNation, there's always three sides to a story. His side, her side, and the truth. Preston Dennett is my guest this hour, and he began investigating UFOs and, par and the paranormal back in 1986 when he discovered that his family, friends, and co-workers were having dramatic, unexplained encounters. Since then, he has been interviewed hundreds of uh, times on radio, television, and newspaper, and he's also in, you know, interviewed witnesses and investigated a wide variety of paranormal events. He is an author who never stops writing, and we're going to be talking to Preston tonight about his newest book in call, uh, entitled On Board a UFO. Preston Dennett, welcome back to the Exxon. Great having you with us. Hey, hey thanks, thanks so, so much. much. I'm sorry I took so much time in the preamble, but it's it's just gotten to me. You know, like, we, we've got the corona pandemic that's going on. And you see all these people running around. They're not, they're not practicing social distancing. They're not, most of them aren't wearing masks. It's going to be interesting, but also fearful to see what happens in two weeks what the results and the spikes in the coronavirus are going to be. Now, you live in Los Angeles. Um, how has the, the riots and the coronavirus affected you? Uh, I think pretty much like most people, it's put me on lockdown. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's pretty scary. Uh, I don't think anyone really has gone through this in, you know, a couple of generations at least. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's pretty, you know, all new. Uh, you know, we see some good things with how people are reacting, some bad things. I think I'm hoping that ultimately we come through this, you know, learning some lessons and uh, prepared, more prepared. On all fronts. All right, Preston, please stand by. You and I have to take our first break. Exonation. Nation, Preston Dennett is our guest. We're going to be talking to Preston about his new book entitled On Board a UFO. This is the Exxon. I am Rob McConnell. We're coming to you from our broadcast center and studios in Crystal Beach, Ontario, Canada. Um, it's funny because we're on the shores of Lake Erie, and I can see right across 
into the city of Buffalo, and last night after the show, I went to the shores of Lake Erie, and you could actually see the, the burning. It's an, it's an eerie feeling. It's something so close to home, and I pray to God that does not cross the border. I'll be back on the other side of this break. Don't go away. And welcome back, everyone. I'm Rob McConnell. This is The Exxon. My guest this hour is Preston Dennett. And uh, Preston is an author. He has uh, an impressive list of books, including Onboard UFO Encounters. That's the one we're going to be talking about tonight with Preston. Uh, Schoolyard UFO Encounters, The Healing Power of UFOs, Not From Here, Volume 3, Undersea UFO Base, UFOs Over Colorado, Inside UFOs, UFOs Over Arizona, not From Here, Volume 1 and 2, UFOs Over Nevada, UFOs Over New Mexico, Ghosts of Greater Los Angeles, Bigfoot Yeti and Other Ape Men, UFOs Over New York, Alien and U- Aliens and UFOs, uh, Human Levitation, Supernatural California, UFOs Over California, Out of Body Exploring, California Ghosts, Extraterrestrial Visitation, UFOs Over Topango Canyon, uh, 1 in 40, UFO Epidemic, UFO Healings, and that's... That's just the partial list. Uh, but we're going to be talking tonight about On Board a UFO. On Board a UFO Encounters uh, contains 15 all-new original cases of people who have been taken on board a UFO. So tell us more about this book. Yeah, it's, what I like about this book is it presents all my own research. Um, these are people I got to interview extensively and it foc- this book focuses solely on people who've had an onboard experience. So I present 15 cases, 10 men, five women. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of them, it's just sort of a one-off, you know, one experience. But most of these people have a lifetime of experiences. During the investigation and research that you have done for onboard UFO encounters, was there anything that you found to be shocking since you have done so many investigations and interviews into people who have had the experiences as well as witnesses? Was there anything that, that was totally new to you? Uh, I think to a certain extent, each case has a little bit of shock value to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but some are definitely, yeah, not only shocking, but you know, challenging my own beliefs about the phenomenon, for sure. Uh, the, it's UFO contact. It just gets once you think you have a handle on it, you find out you don't, because each case just has some really strange elements that are unique, or essentially. What was your most interesting interview that you did? Could you share some of the details with us? Yeah, certainly. Um, I would say that that's a pretty hard choice. <laughs> 
uh, because, you know. Well, give us your top uh, three. Give uh, us your top three. Yeah. How's that? Uh, yeah, well, one of my favorite for sure, I think, was um, a lady I interviewed by the name of Pat Kate. Uh, she's from originally Florida, mm -hmm. born, in, born in 1943, and uh, has a lifetime of experiences. She was about five years old, coming home from the circus one day, staying at her grandparents, and was you know, going to bed on the second-story bedroom when she saw a face looking in her, at her through the window. Uh, she now recognizes it as sort of your typical gray, but back then she had no idea. Um, screams, her grandparents come running up and explain to her, you know, she, she told them what happened. And mm -hmm. they said, listen, honey, you are, you're on the second floor here. There's no way anybody could be looking through this window. Uh, she thought something had followed her home from the circus, actually. Uh, so that's how it sort of started for her. Um, this is a pattern I see in a lot of cases experiences around age five, six, seven, uh, particularly with people who have continuing encounters. And she's definitely fits that profile. Uh, another weird thing that happened when she was just a young girl, she was diagnosed with leukemia and was about to undergo treatment when it suddenly and mysteriously disappeared. Uh, no one had any explanation for that. She was about 13 years old. She was in behind her house one day and suddenly the entire forest, you know, the woods around her lit up in really, really bright light. Uh, she was, became very disoriented, thought maybe she saw God or something. Uh, she did not know what it was at the time. She now recognized it as a probably missing time abduction because these sort of things started to stack up and she was starting to have UFO dreams. She would ha you know, have these nighttime experiences where she found herself on board a UFO. Mm. And she wasn't really sure if it was real or not, but she had a lot of missing time events. Uh, one time she came home, opened her front door, and there were three grays in her living room. Uh, they were very uh, matter of fact, T told her to mention their presence to her teacher. She was going to school at the time. One of them was dressed in a pinstripe suit. Well, uh, wait, like, wait a sec. The, the alien was <laughs> dressed in a pinstripe suit? Yep. yep. I've never yeah. heard that before. Uh, she actually was very embarrassed to tell me. She's like, wow. I don't know if you're going to believe me or not, but this is what it was. And I don't know if it was to you know, reduce the fear factor or what. Yeah. And I, I have to tell you, I have heard it before at least three times. Now, now very... we're, t we're talking about aliens from outer space here, right? Presumably. Okay. I think that, yeah, they're extraterrestrials in the classic sense. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so they sometimes do this sort of thing. Mm. Uh, but it's, yeah, it's strange. Uh, but her case, yeah, I'm telling you, has these weird elements. Yeah, now, 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 did they speak to her in English or was it telepathic communication? Telepathic. Pretty much always telepathic. Uh, there's one or two cases where that had, you know, it's not. But, well, the one guy in Netherlands, they spoke to him in perfect Danish. Wow. Uh, that's, that's his primary language. They said, don't, you know, don't be afraid. We won't hurt you, this sort of thing. But with Pat, what really threw me with her was an event that occurred on November 13th, 1985. She had one of her UFO dreams, except this time she didn't wake up on board a UFO. She woke up standing next to one. It was daytime. There was a being standing next to her, a human-looking figure in a blue sort of jumpsuit. Uh, a UFO is on the ground not far away, surrounded by greys and other 
blue-suited humanoids. Mm-hmm. And long story short, she's looking down on this village, which looks sort of South American, maybe. Not in the U.S., judging by the plant life and the style of the buildings. And they lead her into this village, and they start taking people out of this village and into the UFO. And she said it was very strange. Uh, she didn't question anything. Nobody questioned anything. They just followed them like sheep. Uh-huh. And uh, they loaded up this UFO for a period of a couple of hours uh, with about 500 to 1,000 people. Uh, there was actually another UFO doing the same thing nearby, another you know, metallic craft with portholes, classic saucer. They pull her on board this thing, and it rises up. And at that moment, there's a volcanic explosion and this huge wave of mud and debris and ice and houses and bodies come sweeping over this town, obliterating it, burying it pretty much completely. The UFO scoops a few more survivors out, and the next thing Pat knows is she's being deposited back in her driveway and you know, waking up the next morning. So she calls up her best friend. She's like, I had another one of my UFO dreams, and get ready, this one's a doozy, and explains what happened. Yeah. And uh, her friend says, you better hang up right now and turn on the TV. So that's what Pat does, turns on the TV, and there's her, you know, quote, UFO dream. On every channel, actually, it was uh, the Nevada Del Ruiz volcano. Okay, I can can understand or I can buy the part about the volcano. But did anybody check to see if a thousand people had disappeared? There, was, there would be no way to check because this town was buried under um, many feet of mud and some 20,000, 30,000 people died. Wow. So it was buried, and they all died. So, so basically, the UFO came down, took 500 to 1,000 people to safety. That's what it looks like, you know. And I'm like, well, where do you think, what happened to them? Yeah. She says, I have no idea. You know, I couldn't tell you. Mm. I only know what I experienced. Uh, it was validation for her. It was very upsetting because it was a traumatic experience. Uh, she described it vividly. She ended up seeking psychological help. Over I would imagine it. so, yeah. Because, uh, you know, it really upset her. Uh, so that was probably her most major experience. And, you know, I've heard of cases, there's a couple of people who feel like the ETs have saved their lives, but certainly not on this scale. I mean, that's crazy. Do you think they select certain people to appear, to, to abduct, to visit, to cure? I wonder about that. I've certainly looked into it. It's pretty evenly divided between uh, sex, you know, men and women. Mm-hmm. Uh, I couldn't find any patterns on religion or really anything, education. Uh, one, there was two patterns I found as to who's being contacted. One is it certainly tracks families. So if your grandparents, your parents, um, relatives in any form have had encounters, that definitely increases your chances. If you have a history of encounters, mm-hmm. that will definitely increase your chances. Another pattern, and this is kind of a loose pattern, but it kept turning up, uh, is that, particularly in cases of healing events, is that people who are doing good work for humanity in some capacity, and I can't say I'm entirely sure about this, but so many social workers kept t- turning up teachers, doctors, inventors, uh, that sort of thing. 
Preston, stand by, my friend. You and I have to take our break for the news at the bottom of the hour. And Exxon Nation, our guest this hour is Preston Dennis. Now, if you'd like to find out more about Preston, visit his website at www.prestondennett.weebly.com. This is the Exxon. I am Rob McConnell. We're coming to you from our broadcast center and studios in Crystal Beach, Ontario, Canada. Now, if you'd like to send me an email, the email address is exxon at exxonradiotv.com. And to find out about the broadcast schedule that we have for you, 724-365, visit www.xzbn.net. Don't go away. Preston Dennett is my special guest this hour, Exxon Nation. His website is PrestonDennett.com. Weebly, I'm sorry, PrestonDennett.Weebly.com. Um, Preston, uh, when I was going over the information you were kind enough to send us, one of the stories, I, I have to ask you about it. And it's, uh, let me see, it's the story where after being abducted by aliens, a young man continues to see greys and later learns he has a daughter who lives among the stars. Yes. Yeah, it's an amazing case. A great guy, Tony DeTata. Uh, he was born in 1963. He was about 17 years old. This is in a upstate New York area. Mm-hmm. Uh, was just taking a walk one evening and sees this classic flying saucer. Uh, metallic. He's painting his house at the time, so he runs home. He's got a ladder ready. And he climbs onto the roof of his house and observes this craft just moves silently, smoothly across the sky and finally disappears off in the distance. Uh, it was kind of a life-changing event. It let him know UFOs were real. Clearly wasn't any one of ours. It was pretty close, a quarter mile away maybe. And uh, it was about three, four months later, he was out in the local park playing with his other friends. Well, not playing, just hanging out. Sure. They were uh, you know, teenagers, 18, 19, 20. Uh, and uh, some, you know, all, all of them decided to go home except he and one friend. And uh, they're just sitting there on a bench overlooking the park when they hear this sort of weird jingly sound, like maybe car keys or something. Mm-hmm. And they're looking around for the so- source and they see this gray figure out on the far edge of the park there, a couple of hundred yards away at least. And it was a gray, a clear, honest-to-God gray, like we've heard so many times, dressed in a silver jumpsuit. And it's kind of staring them down, looking at them. It turns and glides way off into this huge grove of trees on the far, far edge and disappears behind it. Um, totally freaked them out. They went running to go tell their friends who had just left and found them, they were all asleep. Apparently it was much later than they thought. Maybe missing time? I think so, he's really not sure. Uh, But it was around that time he started to have memories of being on board a UFO. 
and a very clear memory, which he actually dates to a younger age, like 14 maybe, prior to any of this. And he was just a kid sitting on this table with his feet dangling and a graze examining him. Its eye twitches, it's staring at him face to face. Uh, he described pretty much the, a very simple experience. And it got him to thinking that perhaps he's an abductee. Uh, he, you know, started questioning his friends, and his friends were like, "Oh yeah, you, you know, you always talked about this. You've been talking about this for a long time." And he ended up going to a UFO group and going under hypnotic regression to see if he could re recall any memories. Uh, so he's the only guy in this whole book, actually, who's used hypnotic regression. I totally support it. I think it works. Just... Why do Why do you support it? Uh, because I think it's been a very effective tool, not, even outside the UFO field. But, uh, but, it, but it's not recognized in court. Anybody who's been hypnotized, the evidence that they give or any information they give cannot be used in a court of law. No, but it has been used effectively during investigations like the Chowchilla kidnapping. Uh, they hypnotized one of the witnesses and they were able to get some information. Mm -hmm. Uh, and it's been used effectively with war trauma victims and certainly child abuse victims. Uh, so it does work. Uh, but I just want to sort of erase any explanations of false memory syndrome or mm -hmm. hypnotically induced memories, because most of the cases, I mean, pretty much all of them in this book, are fully conscious. Uh, but yeah, I, I support it does work, and the stories that come out under hypnosis uh, corroborate pretty much exactly with the ones that are consciously recalled. It's another reason I think it works well. Have you yourself ever been subjected to uh, regressive hypnosis? No. No, I have not. Okay, so, so excuse my skepticism, but how do you know that it works? Uh, because I've talked to people who've undergone it, experienced well, that, it, that, and, I've, I've, that, and I've studied, you know, I've studied this. Uh, you know, another reason I think it works. Remember the show Mythbusters? I don't know if you've ever seen yeah, it. Yeah, 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 sure. They did an episode on regressive mm -hmm. hypnosis to try and prove it. I thought, oh, this ought to be interesting. And how they set it up was they just had an in, a guy come running into the their little office there and create a ruckus and argue and push a few things around, say a few things, and come go running out. Mm -hmm. And they asked each of the crew people, like, said, oh, this is a test. You know, write down everything you think you just saw, everything right. that happened, which they did. And then they regressively hypnotized each of them and were able to get an incredible amount, of, almost doubled the detail they got. Everything from the colors of his clothes, tattoos, eye color, everything. Right. Um, so it works. Again, I had more evidence right there that this does work to retrieve accurate memories. Uh, I think that... You know, there's a lot of evidence that it works. But there's also a lot of evidence that it doesn't work. Uh, I've looked at that, and it's not very convincing. There are some cases where people have been sort of led, certainly. Well, uh, you know, it's but, funny because uh, Kevin Randall had the wife of uh, Bud Hopkins after, you know, I think it was two years ago on his show. And she said, no, it was all faked. All um, the hypnosis that Bud Hopkins did was fake. That's coming uh, from his wife. Ex-wife. 
Yeah, I'm sure there's two sides to every story. There's three. And, <laughs> right? Here's hers and the uh, truth. Uh, so I, I met Bud Hopkins. I found him to be a very sincere and uh, honest guy, very yeah, kind. Yes, but you're a believer. I didn't start off that way, I can tell you that. So what was it that turned you from a non-believer to a believer? It was a very painful process. I was upset. It was not easy. Uh, I heard a report in the news, and I didn't believe it, not for a second. But I started asking people. My brother said he'd seen a UFO, and I'm like, mm, I'm not sure. I and he described this metallic saucer with a dome and colored lights. He says, you don't believe me? Go ahead. Ask Greg. Ask Phil. They were there with me. So that's what I did, separately, without notice. And... Uh, they gave essentially the same story. Well, maybe you can answer a question for me that, that, that no one has been able to answer over the years I've done this show is, why would an advanced race who has the ability to traverse time and space, why would they use metal instead of another material that would not make them so evident that would be stealthy? Uh, I think they have that ability. We do have many accounts of UFOs that appear to be invisible. Mm -hmm. I know of a case in, I believe it was Colorado, where the radar people had this blip on the radar approaching their base, and they could not see anything. And it came right over in a sort of standard landing pattern twice. Uh, totally freaked them out. Uh, so there are lots of cases where people have seen UFOs turn invisible. I do believe they have stealth technology. Uh, for whatever reason, they're showing themselves. Yeah. I think they've got an agenda in that regard. I honestly do. Because, I mean, like my book, Schoolyard UFO Encounters, mm -hmm. there's 100 cases of these objects hovering over playgrounds for a long period of time. During daylight, they're landing in 30% of the cases. But are any of, these, are any of these sightings documented by credible means, by photographs, by videos? Yes, absolutely. There was one case in Moline, Illinois, mm -hmm. where a UFO hovered over uh, the Sacred Heart Elementary School, was viewed by 40 students, three nuns, and a police officer who just happened to have a video camera as part of his job, Right. and, and ran and grabbed it, and was able to film this object as it moved off into the distance. Now, I did view the footage. It shows a lighted object off in the distance, and it's not great footage by today's standards, I have to say. What I like about it is we're pretty sure it's not doctored. And certainly he got a lot of attention from the Air Force and intelligence agencies who wanted to view that footage. Now, now you said a light going out in the distance. Was this at night? Uh, no, it was a light, lighted glowing object. I see. So... Uh, hmm. in, yeah. your opinion, in your opinion, Preston, how many of these sightings could actually be Experimental aircraft from Earth. 10%, 20 This is what I've been told a number of times. I'm not sure how true it is. I have no way to really prove yeah. this. But we have clusters of sightings around Air Force bases, certainly. Um, and a number of whistleblower accounts of people who say, oh, yeah, we're flying them around. And it's not just one or two or five sure. or ten. I mean, there's enough to say that where there's smoke, there's fire. There's probably something going on. Uh, I, I'm sure most of it is not because they're chasing cars down the street hmm. and they're putting on these display. The Air Force does not, you know, test fly their most advanced aircraft over a crowd of people. 
Generally speaking. Generally That's speaking. Preston, stand by. You and I have to take our final break. And Exonation, if you'd like to find out more about Preston Dennett, please visit his website at www.prestondennett.weebly.com. This is The Exxon. I am Rob McConnell. And if you'd like to find out about the programming we have available for you 24-7, 365 on the Exxon Broadcast Network, visit www.xzbn.net. And for all of you folks listening to us in Ontario, the state of New York, the state of Ohio, you can listen to our newest channel. It's called CF, no, I'm sorry, CBRTV. And that's uh, during the day, it's music, news, talk. And at 9 o'clock at night, it turns into nighttime talk. And uh, you can find out more about that on the website at www.cbrtv.net. I'm Rob McConnell. Don't go away. Welcome back, everyone. Preston Dennett is my special guest, www.prestondennett.weebly.com. Preston, as somebody who has had his fingers to the pulse of the UFO community, intelligence community, as well as ex, you know experimental aircraft over the past number of years, what is your opinion of the gun camera footage that was taken by the United States Navy that has uh, been codenamed uh, by many people as the Tic Tac event? Yeah, I'm glad, glad to see it being revealed publicly. It's kind of the only official movement we've had in a long time in terms of our government validating the UFO phenomena. Uh, it feels like a little disingenuous. For, I'm not sure if that's the right word, but a baby step maybe. Yeah. Uh, because I know there's much better footage out there. I, I've seen better footage. I mean, what about all these? There's hours and hours and hours of gun camera footage that they've got. Uh, and... Uh, so I'd like to see the, the bodies that they have, you know, the actual craft. I appreciate, you know, what they showed, but I feel like it's only sort of forced. It feels like their hand was forced a little bit. There's a lot of pressure uh, on, on various sides to get this stuff revealed. The disclosure movement has been gaining traction uh, among, you know, higher placed officials, I think. So I'm hopeful that this will all roll out a more transparent policy. What would happen to the UFO community if this Tic Tac event proves to be experimental aircraft, like many military experts, as well as those members of the military in very high, high places are hinting to? Uh, I don't think it'll have much effect, honestly. I was talking to people. I'm like, have you heard about the Pentagon disclosure? Most people within the general public have not. All right. Tell us about it. Yeah. I mean, because I, I was kind of wondering, this is a big disclosure moment in a way, you know, this whole Pentagon validating UFO phenomena, and it's just slid right through society with nary a ripple. It wasn't a powerful enough evidence, I think, to really grip the media, perhaps. I mean, there were media stories, but people just took it in stride. I don't think the mainstream scientific community or society at large is going to take this subject seriously until 
we can see the craft and the bodies. Well, you know, I, I think the major problem there, Preston, is that we've had all this information given to us by people who claim to have had experiences, who claim to have been abducted, and there's never a smoking gun. Even with today's high technologically advanced cameras, systems, and, and everything, there is no smoking gun. And yeah. I often wonder, why not? It's terribly frustrating. Uh, there is evidence. There's quite a bit of it, largely circumstantial. Um, there's eyewitness testimony, but there's good physical evidence as well. There's radar return cases. There's landing trace cases. Uh, medical evidence, a lot of that, injuries and healings. Uh, so there is certainly evidence. Uh, probably, I'd say that our best smoking gun would be the implant removal cases. Uh, but that's been so, I mean, it's barely been touched. Yeah, well, that, that's where we go, talk, go back to Dr. Roger Lear and the work that he did prior to him passing. Right. But I, 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 pardon? Yeah, correct. And he's about the only one out there who really made any progress. But I think the biggest problem with Dr. Lear and the work he did was, number one, Daryl Sims. And number two, he was a podiatrist. If he had uh, been a different type of doctor with, with better credentials, and I don't want to sound demeaning to Dr. Lear, I, I think he might have been taken more seriously. But, you know, when Daryl Sims goes on national radio and says that there is a UFO circling the earth that is 300 miles long and 50 miles high, and he comes out with all these weird stories. That does not do anything to help the credibility of the memories of Dr. Lear and the work he did. Yeah, well, I think investigators are coming at this from different angles. Um, some are trying to, you know, boldly go forward through unexplored territory. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, there's a huge amount of evidence that has been amassed. Um, it's clear this is a real phenomena. It's been seen by every level of government from presidents to senators yeah. to representatives to governors on down every level of military i'd say there's enough eyewitness testimony and circumstantial evidence and photographs and so on to say it's real um, i think we have a pretty good handle on what it is uh, i think the cover-up is demonstrable that's not speculation we can prove that well how can you prove a cover-up uh, through the Men, through many ways. How? Probably our best tool is the Freedom of Information Act. Okay. And uh, being able to get all kinds of documents. But in uh, any of those documents, is it, it has any of the documents proven beyond a shadow of a doubt that these, these objects that are seen are actually from another planet? Not beyond a shadow of a doubt. Um, it's the best theory that's been raised. Okay, it's a theory. Uh, it's a theory. This is still a mystery until... You know, in, publicly it is. I think in certain, like, military circles, they know what this is. They've got the bodies. They know a well, lot. How do you, wait a sec. You say they've got the bodies. I, how absolutely. do you know that? How, do you, how can you say with, with certainty that they have bodies? Uh, because there are just too many darn whistleblower accounts. It's not just Roswell. Roswell is a granddad daddy of a case. I hate to beat a dead horse, but I'm going to do it. Uh, because there are just too many witnesses for this not to be a valid event. What, Roswell? And Roswell. Oh, Absolutely. come on, come on, come on. How can we take anything seriously about Roswell 
when Jesse Marcel was the lead figure in the entire thing. He screwed it up from, from, day, from the minute that he got involved. There's Walter Hout. There's Glenn Dennis. There's a lot of witnesses. Frankie Rowe. I can go on. Then how come, uh, then how come investigators who at one time believed the Roswell story are now saying, after years of investigation and in-depth interviews with the survivors, that it's nothing else but a bunch of bunk? Uh, I don't think that they have good reason to say so. They're not, they're, they may say that, but they're not marching off the evidence to support it. Well, there is no evidence. To, to put out all this testimony and then completely backtrack is disingenuous. Well, well, but where's the proof, Preston? Like, I, you know, you're saying evidence. Where's the evidence? Where's the bodies, if there are any? When you've got people like T.D. Barnes, who worked at Area 51 as a CIA contractor, who was there at the time when the alleged event happened, when people are saying there's UFOs there and as well as bodies, and he's saying beyond a shadow of a doubt, he knows for a fact there aren't. You've got people like Bob Lazar who come up with all these mythical and bullcrap stories. Where's the proof? And how can anyone validate anything without proof? Uh, you're right. It's not been validated. This is what's really frustrating about the UFO crash yeah. retrieval and that whole field of study. It's the best evidence we have, and it's based solely on eyewitness testimony in the public arena. Uh, and that's an important you know, caveat there. Well, it's important for the people within the UFO community, but obviously the general <laughs> yeah. public, the general public doesn't give a darn. No, and that's sort of the problem why it's been so difficult to move this subject forward. Do you know there are more people that believe in Santa Claus and the Easter Bunny and the Sandman, the Tooth Fairy, than believe in UFOs? Um, I don't believe that for a second. Check it I out, my friend. Research, but... Check it out. All right. Check I it will, out. Uh, I, I don't know. That doesn't. No, the truth will take care of itself. Why hasn't it taken its care of itself by now? If we've been looking at this since 1947, why hasn't it come out yet? And where uh, would Roswell have been? Where would the UFO community be if Stanton Friedman had not left his lecture and gone to Roswell? Yeah, he broke that case wide open, but it's just one of many. And uh, UFOs are not going away. I think this is a subject we have to deal with at some point. You know what? You said UFOs are not going away, yet UFO sightings have been drastically down. How uh, come? Well, it, they've been on an escalating, you know, there are ups and downs, waves, certainly. Uh -huh. But if you look at the actual statistics from the UFO reporting organizations like New Fork and MUFON, what you're seeing is an arithmetic rise of Counts. Yes, but you it's know as well as I do, Preston, that any any statistical information can be skewed to the way the person who is doing the analysis wants it to skew. Yeah, to a certain extent, but the fact is there are more and more accounts each year, more people reporting. So that says something. I mean, you can translate however you yeah. want. Uh, maybe people are just becoming more aware of UFO accounts. You know, maybe the centers themselves are becoming more well-known. Or perhaps the activity itself is escalating. But or people don't have anything better to do and they want to try <laughs> something else. Could be. Hey, Preston, uh, I want to thank you so much for joining us. And Exonation, if you'd like to find out more about Preston Dennett, visit his website, www.prestondennett.com. 
weebly.com. Now, I'll be back on the other side of this commercial break with the news at six and a half minutes past the top of the hour as we continue here in the Exxon from our broadcast center in Crystal Beach, Ontario, Canada. Once again, you can watch the Exxon TV show on Simul TV. And for the next couple of weeks, thanks to Stephen Turner, the president and CEO of Simul TV, you'll be able to watch it with our compliments and the compliments of our friends at Simul TV at www.exxonetvchannel.com or xzbnprime.com. I'm Rob McConnell. Don't go away.